Welcome to Doggy Dish, where two of LA's best dog trainers serve up a hearty helping of dog topics. At the end of this podcast, we'll provide information on how to contact our trainers. And now, here they are. Hi, this is Laura Burhenny from Animal Attraction Unlimited. And Kim Reinhardt from Ain't Misbehaving Canine. Thanks for joining us today. And today we're going to be talking about crates. Kinds of crates, what they look like, what to do with them. Why you might want to use one. Yes, why you might want to use one. Yeah, you know, I think that there are, there's actually some controversy about crates. Some people really believe that crate training is important. Some people, And some people think it's cruel. Right, and I think I'm claustrophobic and my dog shouldn't have to go in one. (laughs) I think that it could be. It could be if you you used it in a way that was... um, If your dog spends 23 hours a day in a crate, that would be wrong. Right, or that defied common, some common sense. But I think that most people, when they first get a dog, many people are going to be called upon to do some kind of confinement. And oftentimes, that's utilizing a crate, whether it's right. a crate to drive around, to have your dog drive around in the car, and you don't want them loose in the car, so you want to use right. a crate. Whether it's a crate for crate training, for, for puppy training of housebreaking. Or to keep the dog out of trouble when you can't, like, let's say you have a new adult dog in your house because you've rescued a dog, is to keep the dog... You know, you don't know if the dog is going to pull the books off of your bookshelf or chew up your wires for your for your computer. Absolutely, there might be a time. I, I think every dog should be right. It's for, I, I think when it, when you get a dog, one thing is for certain. At some point in that dog's life, it's not for certain, but most likely, it's going to go in a. It's, it's going, going to have to be confined. Yes, absolutely. Right. Whether it's at the veterinarian's office, whether it's at the groomer's, whether it's in your home, right. at some point, and if you can take a dog and teach them that that can be a safe place where they can feel yeah. comfortable and happy, you will have a tool. <laughs> you will have something to u- use if you have construction in your home and you're worried about your dog getting out yeah. the gate because people are coming in and out of the gate. If you have a dog, like you said, that's being destructive and you want right. to be able to control the situation when you can't train Right. Them. One of my clients, her dog had um, cataract surgery. They replaced the lens. And this dog had to be confined to a crate because if she moved at all, you know, more than, and she was, and she was on, you know, sedatives too to keep her from moving. So she was only allowed out of the crate to go to the bathroom and stuff for a number of weeks so that this lens could then sit in her eye. If this dog had not been crate trained before the surgery, we would have had a heck of a time keeping this dog nice and calm in the crate for the period of time after the surgery. And the lens would have been ruined. The surgery would have been ruined. Yeah, really, habituating your dog to a crate is so helpful. I know that for me, I haven't had a dog that's been noise-sensitive for quite a while, but I used to have a dog that was very noise-sensitive. So around the 4th of July, I had had lived in a, a mountainous area where we really didn't have any type of firework action. And the first time that I moved, that after I moved down the hill and I was worried, 4th of July was coming and I was concerned about what was going to happen. So I went out and I hand-picked bones for all my dogs. <laughs> yeah. And then I put them in a room, in, in crates in a room, and I ran fans and the air conditioner and all these things to help pull down that noise level in addition to rescue remedy and some other things. But thank goodness my dogs were very comfortable in crates because right. that was a comfortable and safe place for them to be in their head. And the dog that I did have that was noise sensitive because I was able to reduce the amount of noise because mm-hmm. I was able to add all, you had all the white noise going noise. on. Right, exactly. I was able to to reduce the impact of that noise, but I was also able to keep him in one place. 
So he couldn't get hurt. How many dogs go out and... Oh, they throw themselves through windows. They dig through the walls. They dig through the floor. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's it's really pretty scary. I had my very first dog was very, very fearful. And if I took him someplace, like for a family get-together or whatever, if I took his crate, he was perfectly fine. Because otherwise he was running around going, where do I go, where do I go, what do I do? I don't know, all these strange people around. And, okay, it sounds a little stressful for him, but i got to tell you, it was was actually very good for him because he was under socialized not it's my important. doing right right important. but when i took his crate and i put his crate in the corner and i kept the door open he could go in as he chose to get away from all of the people and then as he got more comfortable he would come out socialize a little bit and go then go oh okay i'm getting a little bit too much here so then he could he could take himself back to his crate and he could control his own stress level that way. Right. It was his. It was his home away from home, and he was perfectly happy with that. Well, the amount of times I'm driving down the street and I see a dog that's going ape, you know what, in a car that's whirling and twirling and making all this noise and is 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 dangerous to himself. He's dangerous to, to the, the driver. driver. Right. And the truth of the matter is, if they had just trained the dog to a crate, they could put a crate in the car, put the dog in a crate, and the right. dog could ride safely. Even if the dog was whirling and spinning, it wouldn't be potentially bumping into the driver and right. causing a terrible accident or, or distracting the a driver. A distraction, right, because how many people are then looking over their shoulder going, no, stop, no, sit, lie down, lie down. Confinement in the car is my number, one of my number one things as far as as far as my clients go. And I tell them, put the dog in a crate or a seatbelt. But because, I don't know if you saw a couple months ago in one of the local pet magazines around here, there was a reward for a dog who was in a car accident. The dog wasn't driving, I don't think. But um, it was in a car it's accident. To get insurance for that. <laughs> exactly. I don't know how he could reach the pedals. But, yeah, the, they were in an accident, and the dog escaped from the car. Yes. And had disappeared. Yes. And if they had had the dog in the crate, that wouldn't have happened. Well, as and you know. And the dog would be safer. As you well know, I'm a huge offender here because I do ride my dogs loose in the car. But I, I wasn't going to mention that. I know you weren't, but, I, but you were looking at me. <laughs> but the thing is... And the funny thing is, I do agree. I think um, I used to always ride my dogs in crates. If you were, are to get in an accident, it's really important. It's, it, it could be potentially, it could potentially save your dog's life. So I guess I'm just really a bad person. But anyway, but but <laughs> no comments, by the but, way. Yeah, <laughs> judgment. <laughs> but then, if you're going to use a crate, if mm-hmm. you're going to crate train your dog for whatever the reason, for the many reasons that we talked about. You have a lot of choices. Oh, yeah. There, there are, are so many choices, choices now in crates, and some of them are much prettier than others. Yes, and some of them seem much more comfortable. Yes, and some of them are much easier to store than others. And sometimes people choose crates because they think that for some reason it, it, it's appealing to them. But it doesn't it matches actually matches the decor, do you mean? No, I mean, maybe they think, <laughs> oh, I, my dog wants, I should get a soft crate for my dog because my dog, it looks so much more comfortable. Or I should get a wire crate for my dog because then he's so open. So he can see out. That's right. And he won't right. feel so confined. And I think that people make choices about crates and then find out down the line frequently that the choice they made didn't work exactly the way that they should. So I'm hoping that we can kind of break the crate myth and help people realize that there are applications for different types of crates. I mean, you can get a formed resin crate that is a, like a very kennel, or you can get a, a wire crate. And for some situations, a wire crate is, is a really good option, and in some situations, a, a, a wire really crate is a terrible option. Right. Um, soft crates, which are lightweight mm-hmm. and easy to carry. But that and you wouldn't want to use with a dog that's not comfortable in a crate at all. 
that would fight a crate that in would, any way. That would chew his way out. That you don't know is 100% reliable. Um, I go to I go to agility shows and I do take soft crates for my dogs. However, however, my dogs are very habituated to a crate. If I if I didn't know that they were going to stay in that crate, if I didn't feel with absolute certainty that they were not going to fight that crate, my dogs go in, lay down, and relax. They usually chew on something that I've given them to to uh, occupy their time. But if I didn't know that, mm-hmm. and this has certainly happened at shows that I've been to, right. a dog could chew out of that crate and get loose. And, and you have no idea because you're running your other dog or you're watching your friends run their dogs, and then suddenly and there's a loose the dog. Right. Yes, and potentially d- be disastrous, and unfortunately I've been there for disasters. So while a soft crate is often, very often for people, it's very appealing. It's, oh, it's lightweight. Very, oh, yeah. It, it folds up nicely. It stores nicely. It's And it just looks more comfortable. Oh, yeah. It's soft. Yeah. And it looks more comfortable. Um, there are many times when a soft crate would be a really bad idea. It would be a very bad idea for a young puppy because mm-hmm. young puppies are typically any dog that's in a really, or, or an avid chewer. Any dog that's in a chewing stage or is an avid chewer could be a potential problem in right. a soft crate. Um, wire crates. Yeah, wire crates. You know, I'm not a big fan of wire crates. They fold up very nicely. They store very nicely. But, you know, the only time, I had a a German Shepherd, and he was a big dog. The only time that dog ever bit me was he was coming out of his wire crate, because I got him from from somebody else, and he came with a wire crate, and and it was a huge wire crate. And the only only time he ever bit me was he came out of that crate so fast that his, ba- you know the couple of bars that go across the bottom? He came out of that crate so fast that his back leg, his back foot got caught in between those wires up to his hawk, okay? And so he's pulling forward. I'm, I've got to, and he's screaming. He could have easily, easily broken his leg. And right, he's screaming and he's trying to pull harder to get his foot out, not realizing that he actually has to go backwards. I've got a hold of his collar. He's pulling so hard that the crate is is tipping forward, and right, and chasing him. And he's screaming, and I'm trying to pull the crate forward, use my foot to get his leg out between the bars, and my other hand on his collar to try to pull pain and that's the only time he ever bit me because he was in so much pain and his mouth was he was screaming and his mouth was just flailing around well, and pain and a blind was, panic of course of course and so it wasn't even directed at me but then after after that what i did was you know i put a cardboard barrier along the front so that wouldn't happen again not a week later he goes he goes into his crate flips around, and his back toes get caught between the bars again. Not that set of bars, but a totally different set of bars. Well, needless to say, that was the last time I used that crate. Yeah. I'm not a a huge fan of of wire crates either. I think that that the appeal for people is that they think that the dog will go in, and he can see better, and he won't feel as confined, which is, is a little bit funny for me, because the truth of the matter is, in a, if you put yourself in the dog's position and you go into a wire crate, you know that you're confined. <laughs> yeah, There's no question. And now you have mind. four open walls and to you're watch. vulnerable. Completely you're totally. V- <laughs> I don't have four sets of eyes. I can't see all around me. Absolutely, you are completely vulnerable, and you are absolutely exposed to the world with no protection. You can't relax. And the inabil- so you have the inability for flight, which right. is of course one of the responses that a dog has if they if they get into a fearful situation, and you are potentially. Uh, vulnerable from every angle, and I think 
um, you know, if you look at it that way, now there are dogs that prefer a wire crate. I happen to have a dog that um, when I put him in a very kennel, he really had an issue with it. Mm-hmm. And I did in the end because I, he just, I couldn't get him habituated to the, I didn't want to, I, I suppose if I had worked long enough, I could have. But he had such an objection to it, I decided to throw out a, a, that idea and try a wire crate. I brought home a wire crate, and he took to the wire crate like he yeah. was like he was born in it. He was a rescue dog, so I don't know. Maybe he had, had had early training. I don't really know the reason for it. I will tell you that that wire crate has blankets thrown on <laughs> to three sides of it. It only has one side open. And Which, that's very comfortable for him. That's right. a way to make and that's And that's what a lot of people do. Well, okay, if he, feels, if he feels so vulnerable, I'll just put blankets or something over it. Well, then you have run the possibility of the dog sucking the blanket, pulling the blanket into the crate and chewing on it or possibly choking on it. And it's like, well, if you're going to put a blanket over three sides, just get a plastic one. Like I said, for this dog, right. for this dog, right. it was uncomfortable. I don't know why. You know, I, I right. and I at some point I said, okay, do I even care why? Right. If I have a way to fix this, right. I'll fix this. But I'm not inclined to get wire crates. I've never been inclined to get wire crates, and right. I just did this on a on a on an idea that maybe this would work. Right. And um, obviously, I'm sorry when you when you put the you know put a blanket over the three sides. You checked to make sure he wasn't one of those dogs that was going to pull oh, it in. And, absolutely. Right, right. Absolutely. I watched him very carefully to make sure. Well, for one thing, he didn't get wild in that crate. In that yeah. crate, he was very relaxed for whatever the reason. When I started to cover it, he, he stayed relaxed, and I knew that. Um, he doesn't run in and out of them really crazy, and that's helpful for me because right. otherwise I would worry about exactly what happened to you, right. and it is a huge concern. But I think the, the, the myth that I would like to dispel for people is that somehow the dog is going to feel less confined if they're in a wire crate. Maybe that is why my dog doesn't have a problem with wire crate, although I did cover it. But I think I think if you think about it and, you know, you go sit in a wire crate, you'll realize that when the door is closed, you're confined. <laughs> you're confined. Right. You're not less confined. You can't go. Yeah, you can't go anywhere regardless. Yeah. Maybe if you have spatial issues. I don't know. Um, which brings us to the third option, which mm-hmm. is the plastic or the... I think the airline kennels. Yeah. 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 And um, most of the time, those are the crates that I try to get people to start with especially if they have a dog that's not habituated to a crate because um, they are more difficult for the dog to chew on. Mm-hmm. Not impossible. Right. A dog oh, could no. get his, a dog yes. could absolutely get his jaw caught in the front door of, mm-hmm. uh, of one of those crates, which is, a, by the way, another problem with the wire crates is chewing on the bars. Yeah. Well, and also that they're collapsible. I mean, they do collapse. And if you Put have a dog that's, right, if you have a dog in a wire crate that's going to, stress out or try to get out, you need to do something to keep those panels in because dogs have been seriously hurt, if not killed, by some of those, some of the panels not staying together. Yeah, this is the wire crates. You know, yeah. honestly, I could list a lot of problems with wire crates, but I don't want the manufacturers of wire crates to Yeah, <laughs> no, I mean, I mean, they have their uses, and, I've, and I've had plenty of people, you know, use them successfully, but I do give them a couple of caveats. Well, and, and be aware of who your dog is and what your yes. dog's level of experience is. And that, is. that is the main thing. I mean, all my dogs are very comfortable in crates. I could put them in anything. I could put them in a soft crate. I could put them in a wire crate. I could put them in a, in a hard crate. Any of them, they all symbolize the same thing for them. And they're not going to fight to get out. They're not going to chew on the bars. Right. They're not going to go tearing in and out. 
there, there's things that they're not going to do. But you have to be aware of who your dog is before yeah. you get a crate, which is why for my clients, most of the time when they're when they're starting with a dog that they really don't know what the dog's reaction is going to be a crate, most of the time I have them get the airline-style crate. Right. Because the doors latch well. Mm -hmm. They are closed in, so it gives the dog some feeling of... Security. Uh, denning. It's denning. Yeah. It's, it's a dog... How many times do I go to clients' houses and they say, oh, you know, his favorite place to lay is under the coffee table right. or under a table, and they're so surprised Under a table that. in the corner. That's right. Not not the coffee table necessarily in the middle of the room where there are still four sides that he has to worry about. Or two, you know, yeah. But a lot of times they will they will choose to put themselves in spaces that are closed in. Because they don't have, then they only have to watch one direction, maybe two. Which is the beauty of a, of a, of an airline style right. crate. They do usually have vents down the side. Mm -hmm. But they're also up at the top for most of them. So that once the dog is lying down, he doesn't even have to worry about the ones on the sides. Most of them don't have the wire, you know, or holes or anything that go all the way around the sides and the bottom and the back. That's right. The situation where I might choose not to use an airline crate is if I had a dog that was, again, well habituated to a crate, and I was in particularly hot weather and I wanted more airflow than that, yes. that's a time when getting a wire crate, because the dogs are very comfortable in the crate to begin right. with, and I know what they're, you know, the speed they're going to come in and out of it, that's a time when getting a wire crate and being able to put just a lightweight sheet over the top of it to, to cover the sides can be helpful. Or, or getting a soft crate, where there's, uh, some of the soft crates are made with even more airflow than right. others. Right, they have mesh on the tops or the sides or whatever. And I mean, in the back of my truck, I have wire cages, so that, so that, it's easier for me to see when I'm driving, when I'm backing up and stuff. Right. You know, as long as the dog isn't standing up. Well, I think my thing is I like to catch people. I like to talk to people before they've gotten their crates. Yes, ideally. Because many, many, many times I've worked with people who had a young puppy. Mm -hmm. And they got a soft crate because it looked so nice. And the puppy was really lovely in that soft crate for the for first two three weeks. months. No, yeah. even, even for three months. Right. And then they just hit a stage where... And where it's so surprising to the people because they hit a stage where they suddenly start to really chew at the side of it. And right. once they've learned that they can get out of that crate, it's really There's hard. no putting them back in. Yeah, it's very, very, very. Well, I actually, one of my dogs, I am going to admit that one of my Aussies, I started in a soft crate before she was ready. I mm -hmm. thought she was ready, and I miscalculated. Right. I miscalculated, and she tore out because she's kind of headstrong and wonderful and smart. And she said, you know what? <laughs> this is too easy. you got to make it harder on <laughs> me. This ain't no stinking confinement. I can get out of here. She just knew that this was, not gonna, this was not going to hold her, so she broke out of that kennel. And I have been able to get her back in a soft yeah. kennel, mostly because now she sees a kennel as something. She's so comfortable. I, I've done the work. But, you know, she ruined yeah. a kennel. Yeah. Yeah, but kennel. you know what? I've, uh, somebody gave me a really good idea that if, if your dog does, you know, chew through one of those one of those soft crates, um, especially if it's around the zipper, you can take it to a luggage repair place, and a lot of them will be able to fix it. Yeah. <laughs> if they haven't chewed a giant she, hole in she it. She blew a hole inside okay, well. It was, you know, it was Willow, and okay. she's got style, that girl. Yeah. <laughs> she was not leaving me any questions of what her opinion was. So choosing the right kennel the first time out can save you money, can save you time and training, and... You know, when you first start a dog in a kennel, you don't stick a dog in a kennel and walk away. And, 
and expect them to be okay with it. Dogs have to learn. A lot of the reason that people don't use kennels is they take a dog and they put it in the kennel and they stand there and stare at it. Until the dog whines or paws or barks and then they let the dog out. They say, oh, he doesn't like it and they let him out. Or they put him in a kennel and they walk away and they leave him for way too right. long. Right. The only period. time they put the dog in the kennel is when they go out to dinner or to the movie or when they're going to be gone for a really long period of time. And then they never put the dog in the crate when they're actually home, home. and doing something. Yeah. And what that creates is a dog that knows that every time I go in that kennel, you're going to be gone for hours and hours and hours. And it's, yes, it's very unpleasant for me. I mean, I think that leaving a dog in a crate for too many hours is is questionable anyway. I think that you really have to, you know, you have to sit down and think when you're using a crate, you know, how am I using this? Am I using this um, as an as, end to an end, or is yes. this something that I'm using as a permanent way to house the dog? That, right. to me, doesn't seem terribly fair, unless, unless you absolutely have no choice, because otherwise the dog could hurt himself. Um, and there have been situations like that. But then you have to. But the, there are other options than a crate too. Right. I mean that that has at least is more spacious than a crate. You can. Well, you, I have you can make it. I know I have actually had clients that were away at work and felt that they needed to keep the dog confined for that period of time where the mm-hmm. dog would be destructive. Right. At which point I say to them, okay, you need to get a dog walker. You need somebody yeah. to come break this up this period of time. You, you're gone for eight hours at a time. Yeah. You need someone to come in, whether it's you coming home at lunch and breaking up this time for your dog. Right. Whatever it is. And then you need to get up in the morning and exercise. I have um, a very good friend of mine who took two of my puppies. And she gets her little self out of bed at 5 o'clock in the morning, takes those dogs every single morning to the park, and lets them run. That's what she does. She does that because when she's gone, she doesn't keep them in a crate when she's gone, but they have to be confined to a smaller space in order to – she has a a backyard that's all cement, and it would be dangerous for the dogs to be out there playing rough when no one was home. They could injure themselves. And so she has to keep the dogs confined to a fairly small space. And so she gets up and takes care of it. But she could leave the dogs in a crate. I mean, yeah. originally, actually, when she first started um, doing this, she would leave the dogs in the crate half the day, come home at lunch, mm-hmm. and then let them out into a, a larger area, and it avoided um, any kind of destruction. And she used hard-formed crates right. because we didn't want the potential of them chewing out of, out of a soft crate or hurting themselves on a wire crate. So when you use a crate, contrary – I mean, I've heard people really down the use of a crate say right. that's really cruel and how would you like to be in there you know I but think we're not denning animals that's true that's very true we are yeah it's like it's like i probably wouldn't like it but you know i'm not an animal that you mean you don't crawl under the coffee table and lay down for a while you know i haven't in a long time <laughs> right at the end table in the corner no okay no. Oh, well there you go um that last party i went to though i think <laughs> Wow, that is another podcast. <laughs> that's a, yeah. That's what I'll give you the scoop on. That's the doggy yeah. dish later. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> yeah, not only are, are we not denning animals, that's why we wouldn't like it, but you're not ta- you're talking about using it as a tool. As it's a training tool. Or as a management tool in yeah. the absence of training. But I think every dog should be trained to a crate. I mean, I just tell every client that. And I do run into some resistance sometimes. Yeah. But, you know, the thing is, and this is what I tell people, living in here in Southern California, uh, and we're in the San Fernando Valley, and when we had the earthquake, yep. and some people w- had to get out of their houses yep. because they 
couldn't yep. stay in the houses. The houses had the chimney falls or whatever. The houses were just too dangerous to stay in. And could you imagine having three dogs? And if you have children, you have to figure out what to do or you're standing on your front lawn with your dogs on leashes while you're trying to salvage as much as you can from the house because you can't, you know, you aren't going to be able to go back in for a long period of time. It's like, well, wouldn't you rather just be able to pull the crates out, put the dogs in the crates, know that they're safe while you're doing all of that stuff? I've had to evacuate, and so have you, yes. from fires. These fi- yes, from because fires. of fires. And then, thank goodness, you were yeah. able to put those dogs in a crate because you had to take them someplace where it wasn't, wasn't easy for you to just have them running loose. You can't right. always find a place where you can just take them and right. run loose. When I was a kid, we were in the the earthquake. What was that, 71? I don't Whatever. recall. Anyway. I was too young. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was very young, too, but I remember. <laughs> anyway, um, we had to evacuate our home because we were in the in the line of the dam, and they were worried about the dam breaking. And because we didn't have any family here, all of our family was out of state, we ended up going to a neighbor, or the people across the street from us had cousins mm-hmm. in the valley, and we all three families converged in this one house, and mm-hmm. we all had dogs. And we all only had one dog, but none of the dogs got along. And with small children, because yeah. there were all these small kids around, oh my goodness, that was such a madhouse. But if they, it if was you had crates, dangerous. Yeah. right? And if you had had crates, it's like okay, we're just going to put the dogs in the crate, not have to worry about them, let them out one at a time to you know exercise and do and whatever they have to do, whatever, yes. right? Right, absolutely. And there were plenty of people to walk them. Yeah. In fact, we were <laughs> yeah, overloaded we were, with people. Yeah, we were crazy with people. But but I have to say, you know that. Not it's stressful. That, it was terribly stressful. Yeah. And I was a kid. Yeah. I can only imagine what the adults went through because right. I was a kid and it stressed me out. But that was another instance where having a dog that could go in a crate. Maybe the most important one is probably some point your dog is going to have to go to the to the vet. And even if he's there just for the day, like to have x-rays or an ultrasound or his teeth cleaned or whatever, he's there They before and after the procedure, they have to put him in a small cage. Most veterinarians don't have, veterinary facilities don't have big, huge runs for the dogs to go in. They're in small, confined little crates. Even if they have a, a run, it is much easier on them mm-hmm. if they have been confined in the past. If they understand that that's not the end of the world, if you right. taught them those things. And, you know, one of the ways to make a crate acceptable or pal- palatable to your dog is to, especially in the very beginning, or especially for quite a bit in the beginning, to put your dog in a crate with some kind of item. Right, a stuffed food, like a Kong toy or a stuffed um, hollow bone. Or I know some people who will just, like, take a spoonful of peanut butter and smear it on the inside of the crate. So the dog just goes in, oh, look, and sits there. And, and again, you don't wait for him to make noise. You know, he finishes up the, the stuffed whatever it is makes noise and then you let him out no you have to let him out before he makes noise right because you don't want him to think that making noise is what gets you to open the door to the crate right absolutely a a big part of teaching habituating a dog to a crate is starting out in short short sessions with positive teaching the dog to go in with with uh, treats you can feed him his entire meal in there Absolutely. It's a great way right. to get a dog habituated right. to a crate. Many people, I know for my clients, frequently in the beginning, they're sleeping their puppies in a crate. They're sleeping yeah. their new dogs in a crate. And it teaches the, the dog that it's a very good place to be. Yeah. Unless they get up 
let the dog out. They make a huge they deal. They make a party when the dog comes out of the crate. And and when the dog goes in, he's totally ignored. It's really important right. that you, that you if you're going to crate train, that you crate train using positive motivational techniques, that you take your time and habituate the dog to the right. crate, that you not run to the crate and let the dog out because the dog is making a big... At some point, every dog that's in confinement is going to protest. At some point in the beginning, when they first start, they're going to protest. And what you have to learn is they're just learning cause – what you have to understand is they're just learning cause and effect. If I scream, what happens? Right. If I bark and, and make a lot of noise, what happens? It's not even necessarily I need to get out of here. Right. It's let me figure out how this works. If I make noise, will they let me out? If I sit back and make and don't make noise, will they let me out? If I whine, will they let me out? If I bark, will they let me out? You know, it's funny you talked about people will sleep with their puppies in a crate. One of my clients flew me to Texas to pick out a dog for them. And so I had one of those soft under-the-seat crates. So I go and I pick out this seven-week-old dog, and then I have to spend the night in a hotel uh-huh. and uh, with this puppy and then put this puppy who's never been in a crate before in this crate and fly him home with a stopover. And so where did I sleep with the dog? The dog slept in a crate, you know, in the soft crate, on the bed with a zipper down and my hand in the, in the crate with him. And he probably did great. Oh, he did great. The people didn't even know that there was a puppy on the plane. Right, right. And that's that's trial by fire. Yeah. That was one of those situations where you weren't able to right. take your time. Exactly. It was like, God, I hope, this, I hope this would. works. Yeah. Yeah. And and I was an idiot and forgot to bring a dog toy with me. You know, so you know what I gave him to play with? My headband. <laughs> to this say. day, the dog is six years old. To this day, that dog carries that headband, ar- headband <laughs> around. It's the cutest thing. It was his flight buddy. It was. It was his security blanket. So I hope, I hope that when people listen to this, they will find this instrumental in making a decision whether or not to use a crate, when it might be an appropriate time to use a crate. Um, and which kind of crate would suit you best? What you would start with. Rather right. than going in and trying, and trying to make a decision based on how you emotionally respond to the crate, actually pairing up the right crate to your dog. Actually getting the right it will save you money time right and i know people who have the plastic crates in the house but for ease of seeing out through their back window in their car they use a a wire cage right because the dog is already used to being crated right well once the dog is used to being crated yeah your options open up considerably i mean like i said when i take my dogs to the show they're all in soft crates because soft crates are light and they're easy to carry yeah but i don't have to worry about them chewing their way out yeah yeah because i did my work so hopefully this will this will kind of clarify this issue for people and help you make good, good decisions about what kind of crate you need. And then, of course, of course, if you have questions about crate training, the best way to deal with it is to get yourself a trainer. Absolutely. To help you through that process. Because you can crate train your dog and do a fabulous job and have a tool that you will find useful for the rest of the dog's life. Uh, you almost think you couldn't live without it. <laughs> right. And and one more thing before we before we wrap this up. I have to say that as much resistance as I have run in, and I have run into resistance from my clients about crates, but the truth is if I can get people to sign on to the idea, invariably and without exception, they have said, thank you. I'm so glad I don't know what I would ever have done without this. Right. This is the best tool in my whole toolbox of, right. for my animals. Anyway, this is, uh, I guess, all we have to say about crates. Yep. All right. This is Kim Reinhart with Ain't Misbehaving Canine. And Laura Berhani from Animal Attraction Unlimited. Bye. 
You have been listening to Doggy Dish, a podcast series about dog training and other related issues. To suggest a topic for a future segment, please email us at dogdishtopics at yahoo.com. To learn more about our featured trainers, or if you're interested in training for your own dog and you live in the Los Angeles area, you may contact Laura or Kim directly. To speak with Laura, call 818-800-4818 or visit her website at www.petdogtrainer.com. To speak with Kim, call 818-890-1133 or visit her website at www.beagooddog.com. Thank you for listening.